We're silently live for five seconds. That's the that's quality starting on our part. That's awesome. That's good. Soccer chat dead air is on brand. You bet. So I wanted to start today's program with a brief ode to the delightful springtime that we had this year. Uh, you know, highs in the 60s and 70s, all the way into late May. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this weekend, but that is over. Yeah. And I will no longer be non-sweaty unless I am under a direct jet of refrigerated air from now until the end of uh, Time. of October. <laughs> and I just, for all the fat, sweaty guys, I want to pour one out for springtime. Wow. So could we see if we can get Bob Martino to uh, ship in a, a, re a refrigerator uh, just so we don't have to deal with sweaty Alex on Saturday? Actually, I think he's doing that. It's supposed to drop like 15 degrees on Saturday, so... Well done, Alex. Wait, well prepared. <laughs> yes. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Soccer Chat Season 3. Episode seven. Ooh. All your favorites are here. And us. Uh, right. <laughs> so we've got a fantastic interview lined up. And uh, I think we're going to go ahead and just jump straight to it since he is actually early. Imagine that. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have goal scorer hero Jason Ramos. How's it going, guys? Good to be here again for the second time. Hope all you, how, all you guys are doing well. It's yeah, good to see doing, you, Jason. Doing great. So second time on the program, that means that now we get to refer to you as our close personal friend. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. Uh, I want to be here a third time, so next time I score, I'm going to try to score, so I'll be, here and I'll be on here for a third time. So, so our did I was gonna, I was let's, gonna let's just start with this Saturday and scoring the goal and being the hero and the atmosphere inside the stadium. What was it like when you scored that goal and went over to the sideline to celebrate with the team? I mean, at first I thought I was offside. Ruiz and I actually, Carrera who stand around yeah. this, the line, the top of the 18-yard box. Ruiz will clip this one in towards goal, bouncing through. Oh, there it is. It's scored. There it, there it is. Jason Ramos gets the goal. Will this one count? Yes, it will. The flag stays down. <laughs> That's probably like the 110th time I see that video, honestly. I can't stop watching it. It's crazy feeling, <laughs> honestly. Every time I watch it, I get the goosebumps. It's a good feeling. Um, there was a... Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you finish. You're more interesting. <laughs> no, yeah, well, actually, you can see on the video. I, could, uh, I think I'm offside. So I'm probably actually like two, three, probably like four or five yards outside. And I look to the ref, I mean, to the sideline, the side ref right away because he has his flag up. So I take like five, ten seconds to to actually start celebrating because I see the lineman with his flag up. And then I see the center ref uh, call the goal, pointing towards the center of the goal. I mean, center of the center of the field. So I start celebrating I, like right away. I, I look towards the bench and I want to celebrate with the bench. So, um it was just a crazy feeling overall. I mean, crazy to have all those people, all those fans out there. I'm lucky that we couldn't have them last year, so it's been a while playing without fans, and it was just, it was just a good feeling, a good atmosphere overall. Good to have all you guys out there, and just good to have the have gotten the three points and the win at home. So that's the most important. So has it uh, become standard practice to wait to celebrate just in case if something gets called off? Because our refs are also likely to call it uh, offsides if it isn't. So it could go either way. <laughs> I mean, not with VAR. I mean, I guess all the soccer players are used to it too. You just got to wait a little bit now. You got to give it a little, a little bit of emotion now. So I guess it is a thing now. <laughs> so 
you know, you, you, of course, both of the goals, awesome celebrations with the whole team and the whole bench. And they talk a lot on these games about um, you guys having history with each other, you and Jimmy Villalobos uh, playing in college together, uh, as well as a few, you know, returning with some of these guys. So there's a really tight chemistry. Talk about how, uh, how that's worked this season. You guys really seem like a very tight group that, it, that enjoys cheering each other on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I know Jimmy Villalobos. He played with me in Cal Poly Pomona out in, out in California. I mean, there's a couple other new guys that are on the team this year that uh, I didn't know exactly uh, on, at a personal level, but I knew, I knew of them, and I knew what clubs they used to play for, what schools, what colleges, and all that. So uh, it kind of made it easy, you know. So we all, we all knew about each other. We didn't know each other um, on a personal personal level, like I said, but it was easy. It's been easy to 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 get to know each other. I mean, Obled has made it easy from from day one, and ever since we since we were back home, before we even got to chat, uh, we were all video chatting each other, talking to each other, messaging each other. Uh, couldn't wait to get out here and start start training. Honestly, so it's a uh, it's we have a really strong locker room, and I think. Uh, that's sometimes what wins championships. I mean, the coach could, the coach could uh, do whatever he wants at training, tell us whatever he wants, day in day out. But at the end of the day, no one knows what goes on in the locker room. And and as of right now, we have a really strong locker room. It's a really good group of guys, and it's really exciting. So uh, this is your second year. So what have been some of the improvements you've seen? Oh, with the club yeah, since your first year? Improvements? Um, honestly, I mean, from the coaching staff, I mean, it's always hard because, I mean, Oblea, Coach Oblea didn't really choose all the players he wanted to. He didn't really choose all the type of players that he wanted to play, have, have like, all the players he wanted to have in his squad. So now all the players that are on this team are are handpicked, you can say, from from Obleda and Kevin. So it makes it much easier to play the type of style we want to play, the type of culture we want to bring and uh, bring to the team. And it's uh, that's probably one of the main, one of the biggest differences that we have um, this year compared to last year is just um, a bigger group, a better group, a more united group, you could say. And yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things. What about the any improvement on the training facilities or the setup? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I mean, you see the there's a lot of new things coming along. We got the jumbotron coming along. We got the suites. They're working on that um, training facility. I mean, we we train here and there. We train at CCS when we train there in their grass field. So um, that's nice. We usually train there once or twice a week. So that's nice. Um, other than that, uh, everything else is the same. Very cool. Very cool. Did I lose Alex? But we'll see if he can come back in. I'll come up with another one. Now, earlier, it sounded like there was a train behind you, and it sounds like you're at a soccer match. So did you take a train to Richmond to spy on him for us? <laughs> I actually didn't, but that would have been a good idea. I'm actually at the at the Chattanooga the Red Wolves Academy Academy game right now. Okay. Out in uh, the Ringgold High School, I think it's a U13, U14. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The academy team is playing, so I'm out here watching, supporting. You know. So, have you got a chance to get to know some of the academy players? Uh, I got the chance to just say hi after the game to a couple of them, sign, sign a couple of balls, which is really cool. Uh, probably after this game, once it's done, I'll probably talk to them a bit and just get to know them a little more, you know? All right. Now, you've had a chance, obviously, uh, to um, warm up and, and practice with everyone. Not everyone's been on the pitch yet or been on very often. So who's a player we uh, that us as fans haven't really seen yet but you know is going to be coming out soon that we should be excited about? Uh, well, probably one of those players was – uh, Josue España, I'm sure none of you guys, or most of you guys didn't hear much about him. Um, also, Jimmy Villalobos, uh, Jose Carrera. 
I mean, honestly, it's I can name I could go down through the list of the whole the whole roster and we have a really talented roster. Um from the first player from the from the goalies to the forwards, uh every position there's two, three players that that are good enough to play and are good enough to start. So it's it's hard to choose one or two players to stand out because honestly, this is a really talented team and that's gonna take us a long way. So you guys, um, I want to go back a couple weeks ago. You guys played in New England, of course, the the um, home of the uh, famous Ramos Rocket. And, uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the Patriots <laughs> playing a playing a little more advanced role this season in uh, defensive midfielder. Did you pick up the ball a few times around that same area and and think to yourself, maybe I could do it again? <laughs> there was actually like a free kick close by, almost the same spot, but. <laughs> uh, it wasn't on this time, so I couldn't. I couldn't give it a second try, you know. Maybe later on in the season it'll happen <laughs> again, but no promises. So, as you've as you've filled in this role, uh, playing in that center uh, center midfield, playing more of kind of a forward role as opposed to playing center back as you did all last year, how has that adjustment been for you? Um, and uh, you know, is that something that you're expecting maybe to continue the whole year, or do you know this is just kind of a temporary thing? Uh, it was actually something that came pretty quick. I mean, due, due to injuries, uh, we lost Ami Pineda, unfortunately. Um, while Wally is coming back from an injury as well. So there's a lot of uh, injuries in that uh, certain position. So they needed someone to step up, and I felt comfortable. They talked to me about it. They had actually been talking to me about it for like a couple of weeks. Actually, since I first got here, they've been talking about me playing, uh, playing in a three-back so three, three, three center back position. I'd be the central guy. So it's kind of similar. Um, so I honestly don't mind it. I I used to play center mid back in club back in high school. So it's not something that's too new to me. But obviously at this level it's completely different. You can't compare club level to obviously the professional level. So um, it's not something new, but it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy being on the ball. Even as a center back, I enjoy being on the ball. So playing at Playing at playing as a six, uh, I see more of the ball and being around players that could play and could play with me. I mean, it makes it even easier. Players like Jose, Jimmy, Josie, um, all those players in that midfield area. I mean, it makes it it makes it a much easier job for me. So it's a young season, and as you've said, you've got a lot of guys that are still working their way back from injuries, so we haven't really seen the full team yet. But what's something that Coach Oblade is talking to you guys about in practices uh, that, as a team, you're really working to improve? Uh, honestly, there's uh, almost every game there's something new to learn. There's always mistakes. There's never going to be a perfect game. So even if we have a good game like we did this past weekend at Fort Lauderdale, there's always – there's always those little details that there's to fix. Um, we probably got to be better. We got to be giving better better services on the flanks. Um, better. We got to be better uh, on our set pieces. Defensively, we're conceded, we conceded three goals in three games. Uh, I think that's unacceptable. That's something I take a uh, big pride on. Uh, I I prefer to get get a clean sheet than honestly to score a goal myself. So that's something that that. <laughs> that we need to work on. We need to concede less and make way more. All right, so you've got some new guys you're playing with in the back. Uh, you've got uh, Daniel. Now, Daniel was kind of with us a couple years back. He played a few matches. He was on loan. And then you've got Jorge Luna from uh, Venezuela, who's also there on the back line. So if you're... Um, who is it that you feel you've connected with as far as for playing that you feel like you don't have to finish a sentence, you know, like you, you that, that, you know, they know what you're going to do next. Uh, honestly, those are two more, like two of the most experienced players on the team. Uh, Jorge Luna yeah. and Daniel Navarro. So honestly, it's easy to play with them because they've been around the game for a couple of years. They've been, they've played in, in big teams. So, um, it's, I can't choose one. Honestly, it's honestly pretty easy uh, to play with both. It's, it, all it takes is communication. So as a center back, 
it's it's pretty easy to, to understand another center back. So I, it's it's pretty hard to choose one. So. All right, Jeff, you got any other questions? Um, let me see. I think I asked most of the important things. Um, so are you having to uh, work on your speed as well as, because it seems like our team just gets faster and faster each year. <laughs> I mean, I don't consider myself the fastest, honestly, but it's probably something I got to work on. Uh, I'd rather just be on the ball most of the time, make good decisions with the ball. I don't need to be fast. I'd rather work smarter and not harder, you know? <laughs> the official soccer chat motto for sure yeah, yeah right? <laughs> no i just mean uh ricky seems to be faster than he was last year marky already was stupid fast you know he already uh, was and so ricketts is moving quicker a lot of them are moving a lot quicker it's pretty exciting uh, so in practice who is the one that's yelling more is it coach oblada or coach kevin who's uh, yelling the most I don't think anybody's going to top off uh, Coach Oblea. Maybe the fans, you know, now that, now that we have fans, it's gonna be, <laughs> it makes it a little harder to hear Oblea. So thank you guys for that. Nah, I'm yeah. <laughs> nah but it's, it's Oblea. <laughs> it's Oblea. No one's going to gonna beat Oblea at, at the one that's screaming the most, you know? It's always going to be Oblea. He has, a, he has a strong voice, strong personality. Nothing bad about it. I mean, we're all used to it. I like it, actually. I like that style of coaching. So, um, yeah, it's got to be Oblea. All right. Well, Jason. So I got one more because you more. mentioned the fans. You mentioned the fans. <laughs> and, of course, we're a new side, so we're still trying to work out our part to it. So what is it that you dream that we will do when you do something awesome like you did Saturday? So is there a certain chant? Is there something you want us to, to do, the sports center theme? What is it you would love for us to do for you? I mean – Honestly, you guys are loud all game. It, it honestly, it, whether you guys think it or not, it plays a huge part. Like, you guys become an extra player. The the other team hates it. We love it, so it gets us going. As long as we hear you guys uh, singing, chanting, screaming our names, talking crap to the other team, um, all that helps. Whether you guys think it does or not, it really helps. All right. Well, we'll definitely make sure we give a full-throated effort this weekend, Jason. Uh, good luck with you guys playing Richmond. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. No, of course. Anytime. I appreciate you guys for having me once again. And we'll see you guys this Saturday. Hopefully, uh, we'll get the three points for you guys again. And uh, ready to hear that, that great atmosphere once again. All right. Awesome. Our close, close personal friend, Jason Ramos, Ramos. everybody. Mr. Sports Center. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jason. That was a lot of fun. My favorite part was when my audio failed, and I have no idea what happened for like eight minutes. Yeah. And so awesome. I also didn't know what was happening for eight minutes, but it's because I've my back went out and I'm on pain meds. So I faked it, but I fake it all the time, so you can't tell. So. <laughs> I almost had to jump in and I was like, this is, this is bad because I, the question I wanted to ask him, I was afraid of what the answer would be. I was going to ask him how different going from Mangles last year and the way in which he controlled the back line was versus mm. more this year. Um, because I feel like there's definitely a difference in style between those two keepers, but I didn't want him to get in trouble with throwing either one under the bus. So I was glad I wasn't having to be pulled in to be the second interviewer. Uh, I definitely didn't want to overload him with three of us because two of us is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it got so bad, Adam almost had to be social. That's how bad it got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on with the program. Guys, let's get with the program. We've uh, we've slept a couple days again, and uh, so do you have any additional thoughts on our exciting finish in Fort Lauderdale and what it means going forward? I have some thoughts, and I think the Ramos interview that we just had confirmed my thoughts. And my thoughts are we should have tied because he was offsides, <laughs> <laughs> and according to him, three or four. Feet all sides. Uh, but at the same time, 
we still dominated that game. Like yeah. I went back and rewatched because I'm that guy, and we dominated that game on TV just as much as we did in person. And so we just gotta finish when we get in front. There were some opportunities that were missed once again, and I just that that worries me for when we play a Greenville, uh, an Omaha, um, and maybe even Richmond this weekend. Like this will be the first non-two team we're playing, and how's that going to happen? So. That's my biggest takeaway is another quality win, but one that maybe we didn't deserve. So in the commentary, he mentions that as the ball is played off, uh, I guess it's Ricky Ruiz that plays it, a Fort Lauderdale player attempts to clear it and it deflects off of him. And the commentator says that when that happens, then it wipes off Ramos's being offside. Well, I'm glad that happened then. <laughs> I mean, whether yeah. that's accurate or not, I don't know. Who knows what's offside anymore? That was kind of the point of, of my VAR rant last week. Yeah. And it's the same thing basically that happened in New England is the the player was in an offside position. The New England player sent a cross in and one of our defenders tried to make a play and it deflected. And then the kid jumped on the end of it and put it in the goal for that second goal that I was so sure was offside. So maybe it wasn't. But one of the things that drives you nuts about what offside is, at at midfield, the Red Wolves clear a ball from the defensive end, and at midfield, Juan Galindrez is standing in offside position. The Fort Lauderdale player makes a very sloppy uh, play trying to settle the ball. Juan Galindrez comes from behind him and steals it and gets called for offside. So... If the guy that's diving, trying to make a clearance and it deflects off his foot, wipes away the offside, how does the Fort Lauderdale player standing in the center circle playing the ball off his chest not wipe away the fact that Juan Galindrez was standing behind him and wipe away that offside? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a great point and a weird. I, that was a weird play in, in of itself. So, Jeff, yeah. what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, I wanted. To, I am seeing. We are more aggressive. We are pushing, but we're either missing someone to take that chance because they're not getting into that position or we're overdoing it when we do get in position. So we've got to get more clinical in the final third, a little more control. But I think our, our I think it's actually positioning is what we've got to work in. And I'm hoping if Rafa gets in there and as these guys begin to gel, they know they need to get into the slot because we're going to get the ball to them. We just got to get someone there who's ready to take it. Uh, and um, and I think that right there, it's it seems small, but it's going to it's going to it's going to pay dividends. So looking at results for the rest of the league, um, if someone else has them available, because I'm totally not. Uh-huh. Uh, you talk about for this lap for this past week, All this right. past weekend with the league. Yeah, let me go to it right now. I was looking at the power rankings. Uh, yeah, so today, uh, let me see. We've got some. T- oh, this is this is next week. Sorry, this is this week. This is fantastic. Podcast. Okay. Right yes, this is great. This work. is quality. We're, we're, we're good. Yes. Really, okay. really professional. So Richmond uh, had a a nil draw against North Carolina. Obviously, we Neil, had Neil. Two. Neil, Neil. And Neil was there, Sadaka against Young, and uh, we had the 2-1 against Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Tormenta um, hosted Greenville at a nil-1, and Greenville won that. Toronto played at home in Casa Grande, Arizona, uh, 2-1 as they beat North Texas. So those were the ones on Saturday. So, Adam, do you have the uh, the points per game table that I made? Uh, I mean, do I have access to it, like, immediately, like, right now type thing? Is that what you're asking yeah, for? Yeah, I'm assuming the answer to that would be no, which is I fine. Mean, I, 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 I should, but I don't because I'm terrible at my job. I've explained you know, this. Probably I'm not a good producer. If you had maybe told us ahead of time, hey, have that ready because I want to – refer to it that's how a good way to uh you know adam is our uh, adam is our part-time producer in that part of the time um, he produces the show i think um, that's that's the key is that i am part-time 
And most of the time I'm not producing anything but dead air and poor podcast content. And that's on us, really. That's actually that's on the rest of us for the for the dead air for, and the poor content. For, so, for letting me be here, is that what you're saying? <laughs> so if you're looking at points per game, um, right now, and it's a quirk, Toronto with their one game, the win over North Texas, their first game of the season, they've they've got the one win, so it's three points per game for them. They're at the top, but then you've got Greenville Triumph with two point six. Four wins and a draw. Union Omaha behind them. And we're actually in fourth place uh, with 2.33. So just ahead of forward Madison and ahead of Richmond. Yeah. Um, And so the Toronto one, one of the things that's interesting to me looking at the season that they've got coming up, basically they're playing like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, like all through June, they'll have played about 16 games by the time they get to the end of, of June, even though this last Saturday was their first game of the season. I, I don't see that points per game holding up for them, uh, especially since all of June, they're not in Toronto and they can't really go back to Toronto. They're playing these games in Arizona, some of them in Florida as their home home games. Um, as well as playing those games on the road. So I really see them not keeping that kind of momentum. But you've got Greenville, Omaha, ourselves, Forward Madison has yet to lose. Those are kind of the teams at the top. And uh, surprised at the bottom with South Georgia Tormenta, North Carolina, and FC Tucson, who are all sitting at the bottom right now um, with just a few points. Tormenta has just the one win and five losses. So that's the issue with an early season points per game. You can go either direction too far, right? Like right. if we look at, at at North Carolina and you've watched those three games they've been in, they've been in all three games. Like they, they've played well yeah. in those three games. Um, and then you've got the opposite, right? Where Tucson, they're barely there. Like in their games, Tormenta is one win and five losses. Like they, they're pretty cemented in. They're in a bad place. They got a lot in of those to do. six games. I think they've been shut out four times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's just kind of one of those. You're right. The Toronto thing, who knows? Because they've had one game. They're not going to end at three <laughs> at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> but the other thing that you look at here, though, and this is why, you know, I added the line for what you had created on the green line and the red line. The green line is the bye week, right? Those top two teams are, yeah. are going to get a bye. But if you look, it doesn't take a lot to be at that top. Like averaging 1.4 points for the kickers, they're in that last spot. Um, so, you know, be, doing what we've done, which is get it, getting not losing on the road and getting wins at home is going to put you in the playoffs. If, if you can focus your wins at home and do your best to get a tie on the road, you're probably going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think that's a safe statement. Well, if you think right now we're playing rather well for not playing well, in other words, yeah. you know, hearing from all players and the coaches that it's not quite come together, and yet we're finding ways to either win or keep it as a draw. And as Ramos has mentioned, uh, the impact of a full stadium. I know the other teams will, but uh, there's just something special this year at CHI Memorial. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna increase our uh, home performance. Well- they will and they won't, right? So, like our our max capacity because they've only built you know yeah. two thirds of the seats is twenty six hundred, right? Yeah. Right. right. Twenty six hundred at CHI is very different than twenty six hundred in Richmond. Twenty six hundred exactly, exactly in in, in uh, Omaha. I mean, Omaha's that's what an eight thousand seat baseball mm-hmm. stadium. So yeah. even if it was full, most of them aren't even looking at the field. Um, but like it, they don't have that setup now. Who has the best, let's just be honest, who has the best atmosphere right now in League One when it comes to stadium setup? That is and goes to Ford. Ford has 5,000-seat stadium, and when it's full, it surrounds and it's it's intimate setup similar to what CHI is, but they don't have the full stadium yet. So we've got that advantage right now that no one else really has. Uh, Fort Lauderdale's got a great setup. They're never going to have a full stadium. North yeah, Texas huge, has a yeah. great setup. They're never going to have a full stadium. Um, South Georgia will eventually have a, have a soccer specific stadium, but right now 
where they're playing at. We've been down there. We've done the tr- the road trip down there. It's a it's a it's nice, but you're not close. You've got a a, a track between your yourself where you're sitting in the stands and where the field starts. Where legitimately, I think it's safe to say the back of our stands ends before theirs even starts. So we've just got a really good setup, and having fans there makes a difference. I I will be the first to admit. I didn't think it would be that different going from like six, 700 to 2000 fans in just how loud it was in there, but it was very different and it was yes. really good to see. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, our setup and the fact that we've waited and we've gotten so much, we've had to wait a bit to get the stadium to be in the shape it's in right now. That's paying off. And I also think that's going to pay off for Madison because even though they can't get full capacity, they had to spend last year traveling, what, an hour and a half away to a stadium they didn't want to be in. So now I think even though they won't be at full capacity, those at Ford Madison are so happy to be back. And I think it's going to make an impact on them. So real quick, before we we move on, move on from our wrap around the league, uh, I'm going to share the power rankings that you were talking about earlier, Jeff. Yeah. And, uh, and show you a couple things. Now, power rankings, you know, always take with a grain of salt. Um, but when you look at this, Greenville and Omaha at the top, that makes sense, right? No one's really arguing with that. The yep. thing that cracks me up is Ford didn't play last week. They're 1 0 1. They haven't really played any of the. They have something like they played one of these top teams or one of these teams below. They them. will. Uh, they will tomorrow. Forward they will tomorrow. Taking on Omaha tomorrow. Right, which would be great. I'm just surprised that we didn't f- bypass them with getting that win at, in the 74th minute. I just thought that would be flipped, but you know, it, sometimes power rankings are based off of how many Twitter followers you have. So, I, well, I, I, I think it's the fact that we're kind of in the mid of this week. You know, because we've got three games tomorrow, yeah. and that I think, and that's the reason why it hasn't really changed. I've, they've made some changes, and I thought we would have moved ahead of forward, but I think it's the fact that um, we we almost didn't get the win, and the fact that uh, forward is going to play this week. That's what I'm kind of wondering. I, I also. I also would state that the thing I found interesting is that Fort Lauderdale, who lost it in the 94th minute, is below North Texas when they basically have kind of done the same thing. They both lost this week, but I would argue that Fort Lauderdale played us a lot better than North Texas did. So I don't know. It, it is what it is. You know, yeah. you take, always take them with a grain of salt and you can always find ways to complain. And I think to a point they have to do that, right? Or else nobody's paying attention to them. So, yeah, I was genuinely concerned that we weren't going to get the win at no point. Did, was I concerned we were going to, we were going to lose. But uh, when they tied it up, I thought, uh-oh, you know, the, the, the risk was there that we were going to end up with a draw. And uh, so thankfully, uh, Ramos was there for the save, uh, for, for you know, to, to bring that on. So so that their goals happened on our end of the field. What did you guys think of their goal? I think it was some pr- not good marking on the corner kick that allowed yeah, him yeah. to get to the back post unmarked. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it for us again just because I want yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. So here it is. Acosta will stand over this set piece. Towards the back post. Horton's there, heads it across, and for Lauderdale. So specifically the part I wanted to get to is right. You talk about marking. Yeah. How do you have one, two, three, four Red Wolves? all next to each other and not a single one on the guy in the back post. That's, that's, that's disappointing. Yeah. So, I'm hoping that's what they're going to be watching all week. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Jason already made it clear. He's watched his own goal at least a hundred <laughs> times. So I'm sure they're watching, <laughs> watching all three. So as we look forward to this weekend against Richmond, yeah, um, we've talked a little bit about their what you know in the in the whip around what they've done. They've got two wins, two losses, and a, and the scoreless draw this last weekend against North Carolina. Um, what are you guys expecting to see from Richmond? Well, actually, I've got some stuff here. I'm going to try to share myself to share the screen. Let's see if it'll let me. Whoa! Wow! I know this is. 
getting crazy. Okay, well, let's see. Um, let's just share the screen, see if it happens. Oh, come on. It won't let me do it. I should have tried ahead of time, huh? Ha, <laughs> ha, ha. Proving that I'm not the only terrible producer. No, no. <laughs> all right, hold on. I got to remember what, what this one is. On my work computer all day, I remember the different password. And the password is, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so you should be able to see that. Let me just, it's going to be the entire one. Let's see if it'll share. Okay. So want to look down here. Um, we've got, um, here are some of the players. Can you guys see that? Because if I go back to it, I'm going to see. Can you zoom us in? Looking back. Can you zoom yeah. us in a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, this guy right here, he was our biggest concern as far as for goal threat last year already. Um, they haven't scored a lot of goals because, you know, it's only uh, – a few matches in, but I would say if it was the first game, this is the guy you're going to be the most concerned with is uh, Tergazi. But the other one I want to watch is actually Korea, who is uh, creating a, a substantial amount of chances coming in. And I thought he was also on pretty high on the shots, but I guess I, I was reading another one. But So, yeah, I would say Tergazi is the, the main one, but I think – uh, Korea's going to be one of those guys that doesn't get the assist, but he's going to be uh, setting things up to go ahead and, and, and get the assist. Now, we're equal on points as they have two wins and uh, uh, one draw, but they've got the two losses. But one thing we're also e equal on is uh, goals allowed, and they've played five and we've played three. So that is the thing I think we do have to watch is uh, to protecting it there. I've also noticed that uh, Fitzy is not the only one uh, who's been playing. I think uh, Aviza has played one of the games so far. and uh, But out of the five games, Fitzy has gotten three clean sheets. So obviously I look at that and I hope that it's Aviza playing for that. But um, Fitzy is a, is a top-notch keeper. So uh, let's see what I happens with our – our our offense and defense. So my my biggest thing when you talk about Fitzy's shutouts is, yeah, he's got them, but he's got them versus New England too, which did score two goals on us. But mm -hmm. I would argue those two goals were not great um, against South Georgia Tormenta, who's consistently being shut out, and mm -hmm. against North Carolina, who is playing a lot of young guys. So I don't know how much I want to read into it. Just to be honest with you, I, th I think. I look more at, you know, Fort Lauderdale scored two goals on him. Greenville scored a goal on him. I expect us to score a goal on him, but I don't. Actually, Greenville to... didn't score that goal on him, but. <laughs> it's, it's all how you look at it. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's uh, one of the things I've noticed, and, and this has been since we've entered the league, is I think every match or, or most of the matches we have with um, uh, Richmond are very well matched um we've gotten away with some stuff or not away with some stuff we've uh we've been a thorn on their side a little bit of course i think the last time we played we knocked them out of the playoffs uh which playoffs didn't end up happening anyway so but it was uh it was enough there so I, it's one of those i don't think it's a like a fierce rivalry but it's a really good matchup be, between us and richmond it has been and i expect that to be uh, the same as Saturday. It's it's kind of what you expect rivalries to be made of, not not yeah. ridiculous Twitter banter, but from the fact that all of these games have been close games, all of them decided essentially by one goal. Except you know we had a two nothing win at Richmond in 2019. That was our first road win ever, and even that two nothing game was pretty close and even, uh, even yeah. though we won it by two goals. Yeah. Um, you know, putting them out, but, you know, both games we played against them last year, we scored in, in stoppage time uh, with games that were tight and, and that's what this is going to be. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be the same thing. And the, you know, the players, they've got some guys that have been there for a couple of years who are going to remember these games being close and tight. Um, you know, their coach showed himself to be pretty mentally weak after the first game they played in Chattanooga last year. Uh, going on their podcast and complaining, so I'm sure he's he's getting us, you know, getting his guys hyped up and ready to come play, and and so it'll be a lot of fun. 
Well, I mean, he struggled with our fans when there was when we were limited to how many could be there. Uh, I look forward to seeing Kay Baker and the others that will be behind that bench getting into his head going into the the next game because I mean let's be let's be honest if you can't handle five six hundred fans I, I look forward to seeing how you handle two thousand um, yeah and I really do hope that we're we're at two thousand because this game you know if you thought that Fort Lauderdale game was good this next next game I think could be even better because like you mentioned it's building a rivalry on the actual field versus through social media or through some sort of supporter group you know, banter back and forth. And those are all fun, right? Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with, with it, you know, supporter group belt, I think is what Omaha and Greenville did. Great. <laughs> the, the, the Henny Derby between Ford and Richmond. Great. Like I'm all for you guys doing that, but the true rivalry happens on the field. And so I, I hope we get to keep it going by getting a, a, a hard fought victory this Saturday. So that takes us to those painful predictions. And let's start with Alex for a change. Alex, what's your, yeah. what's your painful prediction? My painful prediction is I don't think we're going to have a clean sheet in this match. Uh, Richmond's very good. You talked about Emiliano Terzaghi um, being someone that we've got to watch. They they do have some decent, young, speedy players that can come off the wings. Um, I mean, I see this being another tight game that's going to end 2-1 to one or 3-2 to two for the Chattanooga Red Wolves. All right, Jeff, what do you got? Uh, kind of similar, but a little more muted. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to two one. Um, I think Tergazi is the one that's gonna get it in uh, for Richmond. Um, I it's very likely Josue is gonna get his third goal and three. Uh, or sorry, his his uh, three goals, uh, three matches with goals. Sorry for his fourth goal. And um, I'm but I'm wondering if the other goal is gonna come from one of our strikers, uh, either Blake or if it's uh, going to be tanky, whoever starts. I think uh, they've been close, and um, I'm thinking those pieces are coming together. I think that's the, the missing piece. I'd like to see that finish up for Saturday. So I'm going to give my true painful prediction. I have us losing 2-1. to one, That and guy. I'm, and the reason I have us losing is I don't think we have Rafa back for this weekend. No. And I think until we do – it's going to be risky going into every game. And I think this is one of those games where um, you could see a letdown happen second week in a row at home. I just, that seems like it could be, I have a two one and I have it being like incredibly painful. I have it being one Oh us to start with. And then they fight back and take us out at the end. So going full painful prediction. Wow. So is it, um, are you feeling that we've, We've been kind of lucky so far, yeah. and maybe that luck's not going to hold. I think not having Rafa back, I think not having a fully healthy or full full game-ready version yeah. of a number of other players um, will eventually just it, – it'll it'll bite you. And I think we're reaching that point. I think didn't I think Luna got hurt in the last game, so that could be another yeah. hole we're having to fix. Yeah. Um, and it worries me a little bit. Also, as much as I've enjoyed some of Moromora's saves, he's maybe very uncomfortable with some of his decisions. There was a part in this last game where the ball was hit down by the other team, and all he had to do was grab it, and he, for whatever reason, kicked it, and then it took it out of the box, and then he had to clear it. And that could have very easily gone into a really bad situation. I just think something like that could happen when you are got a pitch you know, a, a patch meal back line that we, we've, we've been forced into. So I hope I'm wrong, but my pain prediction is a two, one loss with us having the lead to start with. So, so think- Adam bringing the party down brings us to another good topic. Um, you've said it feels kind of like we've gotten lucky. You hear coach Obleda talk to, to people and he says, we're not fully there. We're still trying to, uh, to get to where we want to be and, and peaking in August. So lots of room for improvement. What is something that you want to see the Red Wolves improve? Finishing. Finishing, finishing, finishing. Yeah. Like, I think we, we're, we're doing a good job of controlling the ball. We're getting into their third. We are not finishing. Um, you know, that's not fair. Um, Espana has finished. Um, the rest of the team, I think – we're going to see something out of of one of the strikers, whether it's um, 
and I never can pronounce his name, uh, Balake, I think is how you say it. Uh, whether it's him starting or, or you know, it, it's um, good. God, I guess I really can't pronounce his name. Galindrez. Uh, Galindrez. I always want to say Galindrez. Uh, whichever one starts. I need, I want one of them to be the one that scores that early goal that I'm, that I'm expecting. I need to see that finishing. Um, neither one of them is someone who's going to beat someone off the ball. So it, it, they're going to have to have the ball fed to them, but both of them look like they are really strong at yeah. a turn and shoot a possession type um, old school possession type striker. And, and we got to get them, got to get them the right feed and get them the opportunity. And they've got to get a, a good, a good foot on the ball. And uh, until I see that, it's always going to worry me. Well, I, I feel that once they get their goal, they're going to be, because they are that type of, of a striker, that uh, once they get on the board, I think it's going to be uh, more frequent. Uh, and I have a feeling that their first goal is uh, for either of them is, is going to be a header because uh, they're going to push in, get in the right position, a nice header in. And then once that happens, I think it's going to be um, a lot more comfortable, a lot more f- frequent on the goals. So the work up front is the stats that I brought. Um, I looked at uh, at both of them, uh, mm-hmm. both of our number nines, uh, Frischneck and Galindrez. So far to combine, they have uh, seven shots and only three on goal. All three of them are by uh, are by Blake. Uh, they have the one assist that was Galindrez in North Texas. Um, their their dual rates are not very impressive. Uh, and neither of them have passing percentages above 70%. Um, and you look at, I feel like that feeds into the other thing I want to see them improve is a sharpness when they're passing the ball. So when you watch these guys, they're both big, powerful players. I think you're underrating Blake Frischneck's skill with the ball. There was a couple of times in North Texas where he really dribbled through people and made some moves to put guys on their heels um, and then powered through when they tried to take the ball from him. Um, but they're getting these balls out wide instead of getting the ball in the center, yeah. you know, at the penalty yes. mark in that half circle where they're occupying both defenders and yeah. opening things up. Instead, these balls are getting passed to them out wide and they're having to run out to the corners to chase them down, uh, which is not the best position for them. So that comes through the whole team has got to get them the ball in the position where they can be the most effective. Agreed. Absolutely agree. I think the other thing we have to work on is, and I've been pleased with our center backs, but um, we got to work obviously on set pieces back there. And I think uh, we could um, tighten things up a little bit more. That's our second area, but it is getting our, our strikers to finish. And it's not, and, it's, and again, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's not, it's not just our strikers. It's the uh, whole front line. So speaking of tightening things up, let's move quickly through um, the next thing. I've got an area soccer roundup. I want to give some Ooh. shout outs. Uh, Signal Mountain High School, Red Bank High School, and Howard all in Tennessee State quarterfinals. Congrats. Nice. And well Boyd Buchanan, Macaulay, and Baylor all in the uh, private school division uh, semifinals. The, the two different levels of the private school. Um, t- I talked about how we overcomplicate things and the way that Tennessee has divided their, uh, their high school, um, you know, sizes or, you know, classifications that they're one of those people um, make this less stupid, Tennessee. Anyway, uh, want to say congrats, Dalton Red Wolves. They've got two wins. They're they're actually playing right now. I don't know what the score is, um, but uh, but they've bounced back from their opening season defeat to East Atlanta with two wins. Uh, and then the Lady Red Wolves over the weekend had the uh, red white game, and the Lady Red Wolves won. Yeah, Yay, but they also lost, so that was a little disappointing. Yeah, so, but I tell you, number twenty one was everywhere. Yeah, so there's a lot of them wearing T-shirts that had 21 on the back. So we kept telling them that 21 was open and they should pass to 21. Um, but uh, Carly Banks had a brace for the red team. They ended up winning 2 nothing. And uh, I just want to mention again, June 6th at CHI Memorial. It is a Sunday. It is under the lights at 7 o'clock. And they are wanting to make history by breaking the WPSL attendance record. Go out and watch those ladies and support them. Yeah, they're going to be playing against uh, North Alabama. 
that's who I watched play last week. Uh, we got uh, a 3-0 win on the road. So um, I tell you, if, if you want to watch some exciting soccer, come to that. Also, the Lady Red Wolves, I believe, are playing this, this Friday, and they're going to be in Marietta against SSA. So uh, we'll uh, try to keep you up to date and, and let you know how that match goes. So, Adam, do you have a truck backing up sound effect for our English Premier League hot takes? We need, we need live footage of Chelsea qualifying for Champions League. Backwards. Terrible. Really, really bad. That season has ended with a whimper. I'm not expecting much this Saturday from the Champions League final for Chelsea. What are your EPL hot takes here at the end of the season? Uh, So I'm going to go. I have never been so happy to finish under Tottenham. Never. But I was I was super excited to not be stuck in that ridiculous third level (laughs) European tournament. Thank God. Uh, Like, because it it looked for a little bit like we were going to sneak into seventh. And I'm like, son of a, we're going to be stuck playing like some fourth division team out of like, you know, Slovakia. I was like, this is, this is not cool. I don't want to be in this. And so like, I got to believe the prize money from that would be offset by just the travel expenses. Um, to go play in front of like five fans and some team that no one's heard of. Uh, no, I'm so glad we're not in that. That's my hot take is finishing eighth and below Tottenham has never felt so good. So uh, I was trying to come Jeff, up with a... you need to light a candle. We've got some Sarah McLaughlin music. Uh, no, I was going to try to find the sound effect of dumpster fire. And uh, it's not quite that, but it has the potential to be a dumpster fire. And it's... Um, Nuno and um, Wolves parted ways amicably, as in... Conscious uncoupling. Uh, yeah, as in Fosin decided um, they didn't want him, and uh, Nuno agreed that they didn't want him. So that's the amicable part. Uh, arguably the best thing that ever happened, at least in the last 50 years, to Wolverhampton. And um, so it's, it's caused a bit of panic. And uh, now it's rampant speculation on a lot of things and just, you know, so it's really, it's, it's tricky because you don't want to, you don't want to give up hope at the same time. You don't want to give into all the hype that's happening too. You know, you, you, you try to remember there is, there's a lot of quality on that team. Yeah. And, but you also know you get the wrong coach in there and all of a sudden everything can your bad situation could get really bad. So we're going to, this could be real, really telling. I'm hearing some names. Uh, some of them I know of, some of them I don't. And, uh, but I, I know we, we need to build and to add, but I also know how economics works and you're probably going to have to get rid of someone you really love who does a lot in order for you to get what you need. And so it's going to be, I don't think the heartbreak is over uh, for, uh, for, for wolves. So, I, I have a feeling that we had talked. I talked on the um, whole lot of wolves podcast on it on Sunday night, and uh, it was a bit uh, cathartic. But uh, yeah, just uh, if you have a, a, a wolves a supporter, go check on him because they're not doing okay right now. So, so um, I sent them my CV, uh, but because I don't speak Portuguese, they uh, they rejected me pretty yeah. fast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I thought it was worth a shot. Um, uh, so we have Norwich and Watford gaining the automatic promotion, and then uh, Hogsmeade County and Swansea are playing the championship final. Um, so, what do you think about teams that are rising? Do you think they have uh, have anything to to stay there? Does it matter? They're just they're just fodder for a Saturday morning at seven a.m. on Peacock. So- so we've we've talked about this before. You know, promotion relegations uh, is a a very interesting standpoint in that you have ten teams that are on the bottom of the Premier League and ten teams that are on the top of the Championship that just kind of move back and forth every few years, and it's the same people here. You got Norwich, Watford, and Swansea, which is the the reason why when I look at that game that is happening on Saturday at ten a.m., I'm rooting for Brentford. Yeah. Because they haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. 
And so that's who I'm rooting for because I would like a different team to be the team that we're all wondering, are you going to make it and stay for an extra year next year? Yeah. Now there's a few teams that have been able to break that mold. Burnley um, wolves, I would say leads this year. I was sure Villa was going to go down last year. So this year, starting at it, I was sure that this was the year that Villa was going to go back down, but they pulled it together. Uh, but I got to say, yeah, of all of them mentioned, I think uh, Brentford is the one that I would most like to see in the Premier League and uh, bring something else because the others, I don't have a lot of confidence that what they're doing this time is going to be any, any, any different. So as we transition into our summer of soccer, uh, what are you guys most excited about? Gold Cup, World Cup qualifying, the Euro 2020 in 2021. Which one are you more, most excited for? Red Wolves. To be honest, I am more excited uh, about the Red Wolf season than anything else, any of the top level. That's me. And I think it's partly because having seen what I saw Saturday at CHI with our stadium and knowing it's only going to get better, um, as exciting and and top-notch I could watch on TV, being there was the best. Having said that, yeah, there's going to be some exciting things. The Euros are going to be going on. Um the Olympics, maybe, uh, but I, I actually think um, the Euros is the, is one of the ones I want to be paying attention to. I, I'm kind of in a group, Jeff. Here, I I've, I lean more towards what I'm going to see locally is what I'm most excited for this summer. Um, but if I'm going with what's happening o- over there, you know, Euros will be interesting um, to see. You know, mainly just rooting that none of the players that play for Arsenal get hurt during the Euros because we won't have money for anybody to back them up. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see players like, um, like Saka, who's a young guy who has earned his place to be getting that chance to play for England and, and to see that opportunity for those young guys that have proved themselves for, for the team that I follow um, in, in, in Europe. But other than that, like, no, what I'm focused on is here. Um, I'll, I'll watch, uh, my league one team, I'll probably, you know, because I am a bit of a soccer nerd, I, I'll probably watch some MLS. I'll, I'll try to catch a, um, a, a, a Tulsa game. If uh, our old number five, Leo follows getting the start, which he hasn't played the last couple games, but if he, if I know he is, I'm going to try to watch that. And um, I may even, you know, watch uh, the amateur cup. I mean, the independent cup that uh, CFC is, but I didn't mean that as a knock. I really did say it wrong. The independent cup that they're going to be doing where they've got 32 teams, which uh, they're bringing in to play against some um, pro teams. Um, and I, I look, I think that'll be interesting to see how that goes and what does that look like? Um, so, yeah, I mean, one of the teams is, is like, is space something. I, I can't remember what it was, but like their whole, their whole theme is about, it's about like being an astronaut and they're a soccer team. It's weird, but funny. That's kind of awesome. I think space soccer. Yeah. I'm excited about the U S national team over the summer. A fact that we're going to actually be able to have basically first choice. It's not going to be this, you know, bifurcated either it's people from MLS or it's people from Europe. It's going to be the full, you know, who Greg Berhalter thinks is the best. I know Adam has zero faith in uh, Greg Berhalter because he hates his country. But um, I'm interested to That's see what it. they can do over the summer in these tournaments and uh, and what has grown uh, through uh, through some of these guys, um, you know, that we, that we wish could have maybe helped us qualify for the Olympics because that would have been awesome. But uh, I think our final thing is a quick Biggles Wade report as we're getting close to an hour here. And so uh, as you're watching Champions League pregame stuff on CBS, there is going to be a segment for Biggles Wade United. So pay attention for that. And of course, please remember, we were Biggles Wade fans first before it was cool. That's your Biggles Wade report. I think being Biggles Wade fans is what made us cool. So... Yeah, there's that. And just so it's you know, the name of that I've done. the name of that team was Space United. Space United. Uh, and uh, this is their slogan: Space United is a soccer club made up of engineer athletes and space enthusiasts. That is their slogan. 
They also have an academy program that integrates STEM on the field to cultivate a strong connection with fundamental STEM concepts. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to find out about. I found that out about today when they announced these teams for the independent cup. Where are they out of? Well, Alamogordo, they're coming out of obviously not Huntsville, or they're coming out of California, they're coming out area, of area 51, Sedona. I mean, it's uh, yeah, so that's what's even more fun is I have been trying ever since I found their website like earlier today to figure out they've got like a space roots clubs in Seattle, Los Angeles, and um, Ball, which I don't know what that is, um, is what their site says, but I can't find where the main like huh. location is. I couldn't figure it out. I was like, okay, well, these are smaller ones. Where's your main location? I, I can't. It's I, got, I don't know if it's Los Angeles, if it's Seattle. I don't I don't know. They have three different the mothership. It's the mothership. They play in space. That's awesome. That's yeah. what needs to happen. It's a space. Uh, yeah, I think it's in I think it's in both Seattle and Los Angeles. I think they've got two different spots. But wow. Anyway. So <laughs> You we should all be uh, tailgating again Saturday. So yes. if you get to the stadium early, come by, say, hey, have a hot dog or a burger and uh, and check us out. We'll get, there early for, get there early for well, parking. Jeff and, uh, would love to meet you. Me and Adam are going to stand sulkily under the tent far away from everyone. I'll but. bring them out slowly, one at a time. You know, making sure that there's no sudden movements and you'll be fine. <laughs> Just don't make eye contact at first until they make eye contact with you. Um, you parking uh, because it's a construction zone. Uh, you might want to try to get early for parking or possibly carpool if you can. Well, I I would also mention that if you get there early enough for the tailgate. You can kind of that's right your way up there and just kind of hang out with us. And you already have your car parked. You don't have to go parking when you get there. So, and it made for a quick exit. Like you walked back and you quickly exited. So it was a nice setup for us. There you go. All right. Well, we will see y'all Saturday. Bye. Bye. Bye.